The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, offering support for your spiritual growth and addiction recovery. Here's Rev. Lonnie Vanderslice and Rev. Dan Beckett. Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery on Unity FM Radio. I am Rev. Dan Beckett, here with Rev. Lonnie Vanderslice. And together we discuss ways that spirituality and recovery intertwine and work together to support your spiritual growth in your recovery journey. As today's show is an interactive discussion, if you're listening live, you can call in with your comments and questions. The number is 816-251-3555. Again, the number is 816-251-3555. Facebook users, you can also connect with us on our page, Spirit of Recovery, and share your thoughts and comments. So Unity minister and author Eric Butterworth was fond of saying, change your thoughts to change your life. When we bring our mental powers to bear on a topic, one thought feeds another and our lives change. If we direct our thoughts with integrity, our lives come together beautifully. But that's not how we experienced life before. Our lives were not at all together. In fact, they were in a lot of disarray. In fact, we might even call that unmanageable. Mm. So today, what are we going to talk about, Dan? We're going to talk about the power of thought and how we can move from a state of a life that's in disarray to a life that is joy and prosperity. First, uh, we will share our experiences of what it was like when our lives were in disarray. And then we'll talk about uh, the power of thought, uh, specifically Unity's third principle, after the break, Lonnie and I will share our stories of how we used Unity's third principle, the power of thought, to transform our lives from disarray to joy and prosperity. So that's a, a big, uh, a big order. Yes. To move to move from that uh, that place that we start out that stinking thinking um, they call it in the program, you know, for me it was it was I didn't even know there was anything wrong with the way I was thinking, you know, I I didn't understand that there was a different way to think. I had always thought that I was a positive person, and so it was really quite a surprise to me to find out that not just what I thought about, but my orientation toward thinking in, in general was, um, was really what was keeping me stuck. Yeah, I had the same experience. And as you were sharing, I was thinking the same thing. I did not see it. 
uh, in myself at first. The, um, you know, the patterns of thought that people are referring to when we use that phrase, stinking thinking, um, you know, I just kept showing up and it was only really in hindsight, I would say, you know, after I, I started to heal somewhat after um, I started to uh, my life come together more, it's almost like I could only see it as it was improving. I couldn't see it as it was uh, along the way. You know, for me, it every step that I took, and I'm speaking at this point of the 12 steps because that's where my journey began, um, was something called an inventory. And it wasn't until I was forced to look at these these things, my way of being in the world, the way of my way of relating to the to people in the world, um, did I have any kind of a clue that that um, that there was something wrong with it, you know? And I and I found that while I my experience of life at that time was a lot of despair and hopelessness and helplessness and depression, I did not um, I wasn't I wasn't really aware of how much that permeated my every thought judgmentalism, all kinds of things like that. Yeah, I, I had a, a similar experience, and I, I guess I can only say how grateful I am that, um, you know, as I uh, was part of the community and kept showing up each time and, and listening to what others had to say who were had been down the road ahead of me, that, that slowly, um, over time, I began to see that the the patterns of thought that were just, you know, it's like we say, it's like I'm trying to tell a fish about water. You know, how, how can, how can you express to a fish what water is? That's the same to me. How could, how could I understand about the um, patterns of my thought that are unhelpful uh, when I can't even see them because I'm, you know, right there in the middle of it. One thing I remember experiencing that's a great example of, kind of a unskillful use of thought, un, unaware of, but unskillful use of thought, was that I was constantly worried about everything. And, and it got so bad uh, after a while that even the smallest, tiniest little things uh, would, would loom large in my mind and I would almost become mentally, emotionally uh, dis you know, unable to function, uh, you know, if I was worried something about money especially. Um, really, really got to me. So the sense of constant worry was one of the expressions, if you will, of my um, stinking thinking, you know, of the of the reality of my thought process at the time. You know, one of the things that I was not as aware of was um, how much self-pity and blame played into it. You know, I mean, it was I don't know, blame, guilt, shame, you can lump it all together. At least it was lumped together for me in the beginning, not not knowing or understanding where these feelings were coming for and having feeling like to abdicate myself from having responsibility for that. I had to put the blame somewhere. You know? Right. And so, you know, that um, that cycle, which then fed defensiveness on the on the. Uh, you know, with for other other people, it triggers their defensiveness, which then requires defensiveness or or justification on my part. I mean, it was a whole cycle that just continued. And then when it, it didn't turn out right, then I would sink into self self pity. You know, oh well, it never turns out right for me. Why did I even try? You know, this is not going to go well, and and um, you know, nothing ever works. It's the whole uh, Murphy's law thing. But this was a pattern of thought that I had become anchored in. And, and when I think about it, I got there slowly 
I started as a positive person in as a, you know, I can remember being in like junior high and being very positive about the way my life was going and the way things were going to turn out. But slowly over time, I just got beat down, beat down into submission here into this negative way of thinking. Um, you know, and, and some of my defensiveness had to do with um, judging others. If I can assess you and put a label on you or put you in a box, then I'm safe because I know what I'm dealing yeah. with. Mm-hmm. And and that was another bad habit as well as um, unproductive thinking pattern that, you know, to have to, to stand back and make an assessment. And when I look at it now, I can see that it was a survival skill for me. Look at what could go wrong here so that I can avoid that. But it is not a way that, that led to any kind of a happy life. Yeah, what you're saying there about the effect that our thinking had on relations with other people, you know, that I have to say, I had not thought about that much, but I I can, I think you're absolutely right because if my head is not straight, you know, if I'm not, if I'm seeing the negative or, you know, really what it was, I'm just completely uh, absorbed with my own self, my own experience, my own needs and fears and what have you, then I really don't have much of an ability to connect with others you know, when, when I'm coming from that place. I also remember how during that time I, um, you know, some of the ways that this showed up in my life was I couldn't, I couldn't seem to keep up with life's, what I think of as the, you know, administrative duties, the, the, did you change the oil and, and did you feed the cat and, um, you know, you're keeping up with repairs on the home and all that kind of stuff. Um, is is not something that I could do. Now I could do the big things like mortgages and car payments, but other stuff like cleaning and repairs and oil changes, I just kind of let that slide. Yeah, that's that's really really kind of what happened for me is that the details of life just kind of slid away. You know, I was not uh not focused on anything other than the things that we get trapped in in the obsession with the addiction, which is when is more, Mm. you know, so, um, you know, and that brings another thought to mind. And that was, you know, I, I still have this obsessive thinking ability. I'll call it that. I tell people I have my have a superpower. It's this, it's called obsession. It's called this ability to focus. The, The difference is, we're, we're talking earlier about, um, you know, what it was like in early recovery yeah. and, and in our addiction. Um, I couldn't control what I focused on. And today, I, you know, I have, I have more of a choice about what it is that I focus, you know, what I choose to think about. I can make a choice about that. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, because I've also noticed uh, as I walk the path of recovery over time that I'm still wired kind of the same way. And, and on my, um, you know, the kinds of thinking, like you, you just used the phrase obsessive thinking, which to me, you know, connotes the downside of maybe hyper focus or, or something like that, uh, was working against me. But as I got further into recovery and as I healed more and as my mind came back to me more, um, I still had those abilities, but just like you're sharing, what came into the mix was some uh, sense of choice. So, so now, 
um, it, I can almost think of that like as a superpower. Like if I really, really need to get something done and it's good and right for me to do that thing, then the way that my mind used to work against me can now work for me because I have the choice of how I uh, use it, you know, how I ap approach things. Although that what we call obsessive thinking is still there, um, it's not always working against me. Some, some, uh, it will often work in my favor uh, when I can remember and practice the choice that I now have because I'm in recovery. Right. You know, one of the ways that I can tell that I'm sliding um, into that, because it's like you said, it's still there, is when I can finish a sentence with, and it can pick any sentence, with the phrase, because this time it'll be different. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, you know, and, and it wasn't, I didn't re realize that on my own. In fact, it was my sister at one point. I was having having a lunch with her out, and I was lamenting the state of my life at that point in time, and, and I believe I was in early recovery. And and she, first of all, she said, well, what's stopping you? When I said I wanted to make some changes, she said, what's stopping you? And then I said, well, because if this and this and that, and I can't remember the details of that, of that particular conversation, and she said, because this time it'll be different. And we both just laughed. She oh my recognized gosh. my pattern. I recognized my pattern at that point in time. <laughs> and, it, and so it for me today, it's a red flag. Whenever I hear in my mind my myself finish a sentence because this time it'll be different, it reminds me that I'm sliding back into this this negativity, this way of thought, this this these errors uh, of thinking that I have as a result of enculturation as much as anything. Yeah. And, and now, though, you have some choice and that's wonderful. I mean, you have the ability to recognize it and to choose differently. And I know, or, you know, in, in my active addiction and in early recovery, I really didn't have that. I think that, um, you know, that's a, a big part of why my life was in disarray at that time is because my thinking was sort of, you know, on its uh, running on its own program, so to speak. Right. You know, so that seems to be a hopeless, deep, dark place. At least it yeah. was for me. How am I ever going to get out of that? What What's the answer to this? So I'm stuck with this thinking pattern. You know, what, what do we do different? Yeah, let's move into the solution uh, and talk about how... Um, we know the challenge is disarray. We've, we've all been there. We're reminding ourselves now what that was like. But how can we move out of that into a life uh, that would better be described as joy and prosperity? Right. And in unity, we have a tool. And we affirm that when we change our thoughts, we change our lives. In fact, this is unity's third principle. Yeah, you know, we have five central principles in unity that bind us together as a community, and each one is a powerful spiritual truth that can guide us as we grow in spirit. Um, the easy way that I have to remember the five principles is God is, I am, I think, I pray, I act. And the truth that, that can, can help, help us, us tran transform, transform this life of disarray is this. We are co-creators with God, actively creating our world through thoughts held in mind. And that's what we want to focus on today. Yeah, so let's talk about what, what exactly is this 
power of thought and how does it work or how is it working uh, when we're talking about it in the context of our third principle. Third principle states, uh, there are some variations, but we are co-creators with God, uh, actively creating our world through thoughts held in mind. I think that our thinking defines our world experience. I know for me that that's absolutely the case. I can't hear again. I have an example that uh, has always stuck with me about how what I focus on, how my thinking um, really has tremendous effect on my life, you know, more so even than I ever realized. Yep, we can hear you. Are you there? So my example is that I took a motorcycle safety class years ago. And one of the principles that we had drilled into us as students of motorcycle safety is that wherever your eyes go, that's where the bike is going to go. So a practical application of that is if, if it's night and I'm riding my motorcycle down the street and a car is coming in the opposite direction, you know, the car will have its headlights on because it's night. And it's a very bad idea for me to look at that car, to look at those lights. Instead, I should look at the white line that's there on the side of the road to my right. Because if I look at the car that's coming I'm much more likely to get myself in trouble to have my bike going where I'm looking. Another practical example was um, that they would have us put the motorcycle very close to a wall, you know, maybe a couple feet away. It seems like, well, there's nowhere to go. In reality, though, if if you're a skilled rider, you could uh, turn the motorcycle and um, move away from the wall, but it would only work if you turned your head all the way to the side and looked behind you to where you were going to be going. If I tried it and I didn't look behind me, I just looked sort of to the side, I couldn't make the turn sharp enough. But when I literally turned my head all the way around, like they said, and looked at the ground behind me, then I could make the motorcycle go there. That has always stuck with me Um, Such a powerful example of that truth, you know, where my eyes go or where my thoughts go, that's where my life is going to go. I also learned that um, although I am certainly powerless um, when it comes to my addiction, you know, the uh, first step about being powerless over alcohol uh, is an absolute truth. But um, I know that I'm not powerless over everything. In my life, even though it is true that I'm powerless over alcohol, if I put it in my body. And so one way that the uh, Unity's third principle, that principle says that says that we're co-creating our world through thoughts held in mind, is that if I can be clear in my mind on what it is that I'm powerless over and where I am powerful, um, then I can apply uh, my thoughts with some level of skill and, and improve my, and improve my life with it. For example, um, if I thought I was powerless over absolutely everything, then, um, I'm not sure how I could ever move down the path of recovery. You know, how could I improve my life? It would seem just like such a 
a negative thing, you know, like I'm a, like I'm subject to the whim, which way the wind blows. And I have no um, agency, if you will, on my own to improve my life. But when I realize the truth in unity's third principle, when I realize that I'm co-creating my world with God through thoughts held in mind, then it's okay for me to acknowledge that, hey, you know, I, I am powerless over alcohol. It's a chemical compound. The way that my body reacts with it, just like an allergy, just like if somebody is allergic to a bee sting or whatnot, um, you know, it's not going to be good. But I have a choice about that, and I can choose not to put alcohol in my body. But then at the same time, I can also choose to focus my attention on the good things that I want to create in my life and use unity's third principle of co-creation um, to my advantage. You know, and they say that everything begins with an idea of some kind. And I think for me, that was a big piece of the, um, of the learning was to understand that the ideas that I were, was focused on were not helpful to me. And that when I learned this principle, that it's what I constantly held in mind, not what randomly ran through my mind, you know, through my head, is that I could choose then to hold a thought longer. And I got started with that with a gratitude list. You know, that's what I was told to do for that was to, um, instead of looking at everything that went wrong today, why don't you write down three things that went right? Yeah, that's a great way to shift uh, consciousness and to actively shift our thinking by choosing to shift our our focus. I had uh, just read again an article some time ago. It's on Unity's website by uh, Reverend Paul Hasselbeck about this kind of thing. And he reminded us of the truth that, you know, it's not like every fleeting thought has a tremendous amount of power. What has power is patterns of thought, repeated thoughts, you know, grooves that are uh, worn into our mind and that those more than anything are, are what we're looking for. So that if, if someone is listening to this, um, I can see how it could be easy to be distressed. You know, if I have some intrusive thought, some oddball weird thing that, that uh, jumps into my head and I might think, oh no, you know, I'm creating that reality because I had this one uh, fleeting thought and that's not the case. Um, what does create my world is my patterns of thought, my repeated thought. And the beautiful thing about it is that I can create new patterns, positive patterns and purposeful patterns, conscious patterns, if you will, of thought, um, even if you know my mind is still a little wacky here and there, because I know that that's okay. It's not just uh, every little thought that's going to um, indicate where I'm going. It's, it's the uh, deeper running or repeated patterns of thought. And I find that very helpful to know. Oh, I think so too. And for me, a piece of that was being able to identify what those were. I mean, I had, I had nightmares. I had all kinds of problems when, and you know, and I would wake up with this thought of doom and gloom and to be able to catch that, um, not usually with a nightmare, but in the daytime when I started heading down that path and then to change it. And, and one of the patterns of thought for me, um, had to do with, drinking and drugging, you know, well, I can't wait until I get off of work and then whatever, you know, and, but to be able to no, I'm not doing that today to make a choice, to make a different choice, you know, to choose, to use the power of will to make a more helpful choice. Um, you know, because 
I think that for me, there's a couple of pieces. One is that there's a lot of thoughts that I don't have any control over coming into my mind. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm run, driving down the road and I see a billboard. What am I going to do with the information that it flashes in front of my eyes? Um, I, I, I process it one way or another. And the same thing with uh, music that comes on the radio. You know, that information comes in my ears and my brain does something with it. Now I can change the channel or I can turn it off. But it's, it's kind of hard if you're driving and you're seeing the billboards and the advertising and, you know, the bumper stickers and all of that kind of thing. So I have to become conscious of what is that triggering? You know, what thoughts do those things trigger? And then to intercept them at that point, because a lot of the, my thoughts come from my enculturation. They come from the fact that I'm, um, you know, Caucasian and female and grew up in a rural community and, 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 and. And because of that, I came with this set of ideas pre-installed that I don't even know I have that when they come up now is my opportunity to make a different choice about it. I love that pre-installed. That makes a lot of sense. It's just kind of there, you know, like when you get a new computer and has a bunch of junk on it, my mind has a bunch of junk on it. I don't know where it came from. One, (laughs) one principle about this that's been helpful to me is just the concept that I can raise my awareness of what is going on. You know, like you say, it's not like I can just all of a sudden have uh, some, you know, magical, wonderful, complete control over my thinking. It's it's not like that at all. But what I can do is increase my awareness of what is happening because it's when I'm unaware of the patterns of my thought that that's when they are really driving the driving the car, you know, driving the boat. But um, through, say, a meditation practice, for example, I can raise my awareness and, you know, strengthen that part of my mind that we call the observer, the part that that sees what's happening but is not right in the middle of it. And that observer and that ability to strengthen um, my uh, capacity for noticing what's going on, being aware of what's going on, that is what kind of you know, got my foot in the door. That was the crack in the wall that I could then um, focus on and turn into a doorway that I could walk through. Because when I'm aware of the patterns of my thought, now maybe I have a, a possibility of choice. I think that's that's exactly right. I, I was told, and I have come to believe this to be true, that it is the unconscious, unexamined ideas, beliefs, biases, thoughts, emotions, etc., that then run my life. And so that pattern, as I said, was pre-installed, you know, uh, in some cases, only when I become aware of it, can I make a change in that. Otherwise it continues to run my life. Um, You know, we talk about broken relationships. We talk about jobs, multiple jobs over and over again. We talk about, you know, broken friendships, all kinds of things that happen in a pattern. And we say, this time it'll be different. Mm. And we try again. And instead of being the, the control freak in this relationship, now I'm the doormat and it still doesn't work, you know, because it's based on an idea that doesn't work. Something that I don't even know I believe. Yeah, it's it's one of those old patterns of thought that's not serving your highest good. And as you say, if you can become aware of that pattern, then you can have a choice. That is true. So hold that thought because it's time for our short break. When we come back, we'll open the phone lines for callers and we'll continue our conversation. The number is 816-251-3555. Please stay with us.
You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. As Unity Online Radio continues to expand its programming and outreach around the world, we depend on the generosity of listeners like you. If you enjoy the programming, please make your donation today by going to unityonlineradio.org and click on Donate. Thank you for your support. Here's a Unity Mindful Moment with Catherine Ponder, taken from a classic talk called The Prosperous Truth, recorded at Unity of Austin in 1991. God is extravagant supply. Get that, extravagant. God is extravagant supply. He brings forth the best robe. He spreads the banquet table, as we saw last night, with good things on which we may feast. He overflows our cup. He opens the windows of heaven and pours out a blessing. And then this is what that Unity Correspondence Course said. Why are you satisfied with such meager living when you may have so much? To find out more about Unity Teachings, visit unity.org. Since 1924, Daily Word has offered inspiration and practical teachings through daily prayer messages to help people of all faiths live happy, healthy lives. The magazine includes two months of daily affirmations, messages, articles, and spiritual poetry to help you get inspired. Subscriptions are available for print editions in large type and Spanish, as well as the digital subscription package that includes the online magazine with audio, smartphone app, and daily email. Get your subscription today. Visit dailyword.com or unity.org. Did you know Unity has published a new book by Eric Butterworth? This wonderful writer and teacher, who is loved by so many people, left a recorded class called Practical Metaphysics that has now been turned into a book. It's Vintage Butterworth. He explains how to live from a deeper state of consciousness and awaken to health, love, prosperity, and peace of mind. Practical Metaphysics. Find it online by going to unity.org and click Shop. Find the truth within yourself that heals, reveals, guides, and transforms. Tune in to Reverend Galen McDowell every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Central for Truth Transforms. Take a deep dive into the practical aspects of New Thought teaching, starting with forgiveness, spiritual healing, prosperity, and more. Reverend McDowell welcomes some amazing guests, and topics can range from reincarnation to the Bible to science. Big plans to join the show here on UnityOnlineRadio.org. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery with Rev. Lonnie Vanderslice and Rev. Dan Beckett. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. We're glad you're here with us today. And if you're just joining us, my name is Reverend Lonnie Vanderslice here with Reverend Dan Beckett. We will resume our discussion in a moment. First, we want to let you know that we're going to open the lines for callers. So if you have a question or a comment to share, 
please give us a call at 816-251-3555. Again, the number is 816-251-3555. So prior to the break, we were discussing this idea that our thinking creates our life. Yeah. You know, and this, this, what the, the thoughts that we keep in mind that we choose to entertain, the ones that we, that we hold and that burn a groove in our brain are the ones that dictate the way our lives turn out. Yeah. And, and we know the challenge is uh, a life of disarray, you know, disharmony, that feeling like for me, it was like everything's moving too fast. I can't keep up with the world. And uh, we're focusing now on the solution, which is expressed in our unity's third principle, the power of thought and how exactly we can use the power of thought to move to a life of joy and prosperity and away from a life of disarray. I know one thing that really worked for me, and you mentioned this before the break and, and, and it really jumped out, is that I quit smoking uh, somewhat recently, more recently than I'd like to admit. And one thing that really helped me to do that was, um, A, you know, an increased awareness of what was happening in my body and in my thoughts related to that habit of um, cigarette smoking, but being able to make a statement, and this is what uh, you said that reminded me of it. Whenever the urge to smoke would come up, I would say to myself, I'm not doing that right now. I'm not doing that right now. Those exact words, because A, it's literally true. I'm not smoking right now in this moment. Now, the thought about smoking is coming to my head, but I am not literally smoking at this moment. But it also has another meaning that is also true. I am not doing that in my life at this time, you know, more broadly. So to be able to say something to myself that's absolutely true, that helps, you know, entrain my pattern of thought, so that instead of urge to smoke, immediately turns to reaching for a cigarette, urge to smoke, um, I can interrupt that thought pattern and say, well, I'm not doing that right now and let that be my new thought pattern. So that's a, you know, a very practical way that I was able to literally to co-create a new experience in the world, you know, another addiction, um, uh, co-create a new experience with it to, to where I'm, I'm uh, tobacco free today. I'm very grateful for that. You know, and that same simple interruption works for any number of things. You know, my experience with that was I had a, a simpler interruption. It was um, not now, <laughs> you know, five minutes from now if I want to, but not now, you know, I, it, it's put it off. And, and um, you know, and, and that helped me in a number of different things, whether it's I want to make one more phone call. Nope, not now. You know, I want to text somebody again. Not now, um, you know, to interrupt that pattern. But then to recognize that that was a pattern and not just an urge that that I had this I feel lonely, so I pick up the phone, so I try to connect with somebody, you know, the, this whole chain of events that occurred. And so I had to become aware. I had to start noticing what was I doing. Yeah, because, the you know, thoughts, our thoughts have power and strength when they're repeated, you know, when they're part of a, a pattern. So really, when we talk about the third principle and uh, how we're co-creating um, it, it's a matter of interrupting unhelpful, unhealthy, unskillful, if you will, patterns of thought 
for me and, um, you know, actively creating new patterns of thought, actively creating, um, like you're saying, an, an interruption into an old pattern that, you know, that alone is not a new pattern, but it, it creates the possibility of a new pattern. Like, you know, like my simple example with smoking, I'm not doing that right now. That interruption uh, created the possibility for a new pattern that includes me not um, partaking in that particular habit. So my thoughts have strength when they're uh, repeated and in grooves. And so my uh, ability to co-create a life of joy and prosperity means I need to create new patterns of thought that do support a life of joy and a life of prosperity. And, you know, for me, I, I don't know how people do this by themselves. You know, mm. it required a community for me. It required somebody that um, could be the observer until I could learn to be the observer. It took my sponsor and other people in the program saying, have you realized how many times a day you say that? You know, whatever it was that I was saying. No, I wasn't aware of that. You know, and and then to help um, process those things. Well, so, so I say this phrase 50 times a day. So what? You know, and somebody to point out that, what a negative phrase that is or what a, what a uh, negative emotion it carries with it and that perhaps I want to think about doing something different. They never told me to. All they did was help me notice it. Yeah, because when, when we notice things, all of a sudden, like we're saying, we have you know the power, the possibility of choice comes in. It's not a guarantee, but it's a possibility when before there was no possibility. I, re I re recall that one way... Um, that I use Unity's third principle to to make uh, you know healthier, more life affirming choices, choices that would lead me into a life of joy and prosperity, away from uh, disharmony, disarray, is uh, you know simple decisions. You know the power to decide um, is certainly strongly linked to my thinking. Because if I'm deciding one thing or another, if I'm deciding one way or another, even if that decision is unconscious, you know, there's a pattern of thought there. So one way that I can begin to create new patterns of thoughts is to make conscious decisions. And one of the earliest decisions that I remember making uh, early in recovery, I'm talking about the first week, you know, the first month, uh, was that I decided that I was going to live. You know, I, I really... Uh, became very clear to me uh, at the end of my active addiction that uh, my life was in danger. You know, not tomorrow, but uh, if I kept down this road, I could see where it was going. You know, maybe it's six months, maybe it's six years, maybe it's uh, six weeks. I don't know, but this is not headed in a good place. And so I made the conscious decision to live. That was sort of the 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 basic shift in me that helped me, you know, point my mind, point my thoughts, uh, point my intentions in a different direction. So that from that point on, at least, you know, I was beginning to build some uh, basis. Now, before that point, I, I never thought about, it's not like, well, maybe it is like I was choosing not to live. I was getting ready to say, it's not like I'm choosing not to live, but if you look at the way I was drinking, maybe I was choosing not to live. But it was never conscious. So when I had that opportunity, um, that gift of desperation, if you will, and I chose life, th that became the beginning of a foundation that I could build on. I could build patterns of thought that at their root were life-affirming patterns of thought. 
you know, you reminded me uh, of something very similar. My experience, I made the decision I was going to start wearing my seatbelt. If I was going to go through all of this pain, all of this trouble, all of this hassle, all of this therapy, all of these meetings, all of this emotional turmoil, the last thing I was going to do is get killed in a car wreck. I'm going to wear my seatbelt. <laughs> and that. so, you know, so by different words, but a similar type of thing made a decision to do something different than what I had been doing. And when I think back on it, that um, it, it was a difference between I don't care and I guess I do care. And it, it was reflected in, gee, I think I'll start going to bed a little earlier. You know, maybe I better eat a little more nutritiously. You know, some just basic kinds of self-care types of things, I think, was the first place that showed up for me. Yeah, and as you share that, I can hear how those decisions, you know, how you are how you work uh, consciously choosing new ways of thinking as you do that. Because, you know, when you decide, like you're saying, to put your seatbelt on, uh, it's not just another a physical habit. You're changing a pattern of thinking. You're identifying that, hey, you know, I, I, I do want to live. I, I want all of these things to improve my life. Maybe I should start taking better care of myself. And and those decisions, that, that particular way, I, I can really see how, you actively chose to change the patterns of thought in a way that would better support your life. I did a similar thing um, when I heard early in the program the phrase, you know, with so many phrases in 12-step programs, the phrase, stick with the winners. And I thought, at first I thought, well, yeah, you know, why would you do anything else? I don't even understand that quite really. But the more I hung around, the more I began to see is that everyone has a decision to make. And some people um, seem to have not made that decision for life, or maybe they, they just weren't there yet or whatever. And then other people I saw were very positive, very successful in their recovery, very clear-headed. You know, I thought, okay, those, those are the people that I, I want to be like that. You know, I don't want to be complaining. Uh, I don't want to be forever angry that I, quote, can't drink anymore, which today I don't I could I couldn't care less about that, you know, but at first it's not uncommon for us to grieve the loss of that. I, I wanted to get through that. I wanted to be like the people that were healthy and happy and clear and cared about me and listened when I talked. And, and then I realized those are the winners that I, you know, in my understanding of that phrase, stick with the winners. What is a winner to me? It's those people. I want to be like that. So I made the conscious decision. I was going to hang around with them. I wasn't going to get pulled down into negativity to talk about how 12 step programs don't work, blah, blah, blah. You know, it works if I work it and it worked for them and I'm going to be like them. So you want what they have, you do what they did, yes. <laughs> you know, which is another saying that we have. And, you know, that took me a long, long ways into, into recovery, but I was still came to a point where I got stuck and I did not, um, did not seem to be able to use the tools of the 12 step program to get any deeper into my belief systems or my, um, to the subconscious, to the unconscious, unexamined ideas that were running my life. And um, it wasn't until I met Unity that some of those things started coming to light. Like uh, I learned that, uh, you know, through 12 powers work mostly, but I learned that I held certain ideas. Some of the ideas that I held were that I have to be sick to get the attention I need. That was an old pattern from childhood because it worked, you know, back then. And so I, I started becoming aware of these ideas. And one of them that was particularly powerful for me 
when I was doing the uh, 12 powers work was when I became aware of this root enculturated belief in lack and limitation. You know, and, and I'm not blaming, but I'm kind of pointing that I grew up in a family that didn't have a lot of money and that, you know, we, we lived in an agricultural rural community. Nobody had any money and it was just the way life was. And so I kind of took that on that we don't have enough money. You always have to juggle in order to pay the bills. You know, all of those kinds of things um, that I may not have what I need when I need it or and I certainly don't always get what I want. And so that left me with this big hole that, that I couldn't fill just using 12 steps. I couldn't get to the bottom of that. Yeah, I can really see how, how unity principles and unity approach to life would, would um, you know, bring some uh, framework, if you will, you know, steps, practical um, ways to approach things like that. Because I can absolutely see what you're saying, that a 12-step program by itself would not necessarily be addressing um, those kinds of issues. But um, in unity, those are the exact, you know, those are the very kinds of things that we address on a regular basis. You know, they're, they're core to our um, general concepts and unity of, um, you know, having a, an intimate connection even to the point of oneness uh, with God, which means that we're inherently good and, and we can have a good life because we can and we can create it and it gives us the tools for how to create a good life, including um, having enough. You know, if, uh, if I define prosperity in this moment as uh, I have all that I need, you know, I am not walking through the world lacking for anything. If I want something, I know that I can uh, either just have it immediately or find a way to it. I do not have to think of my life as um, one where I can't have some things, as you're describing. But, you know, man, we, we all grow up in a, a certain set of circumstances, and those become our assumptions, you know, those unexa unexamined uh, beliefs, which are thought patterns, right? Belief is a, yeah. a thought pattern that, that runs our life. I can totally see that. One way that I uh, turn that around, and I'm going to guess you did this too, is I made the decision to actively look for the good in everything. You know, and I say that now, I preach it now. Um, every, I can't affirm that everything in the world is good, but I know for a fact that there's good in everything. And it just then becomes a matter of what am I going to look for? I'm not going to pretend that um, challenging things aren't happening, but I'm not going to um, allow myself to focus only on those things. I'm going to make the decision to look for the good in any and every circumstance. You know, and for me, that's about choice. You know, one of the one of what I think the greatest powers that we are given or that we have or that we acquire eventually is the ability to know that we have the power of choice, that we uh, don't have to believe the same thing everybody else believes. And, and I'm thinking about, you know, in this time of, of uh, turmoil in the news and all of this kind of stuff, you know, I can I can choose to believe what I want to believe. I can choose to turn that off. I don't have to take on everybody else's ideas and arguments and belief systems and emotions and all of that kind of thing. I can decide for myself the way that I want to find, um, find myself in the world with this situation, whatever the situation is. You know, how am I going to relate to it? And I can do so out of anger and fear and helplessness, or I can say, no, this is what I can do. This is what I'm going to do for me. This is what I need to do to take care of me. 
Yeah, this is reminding me of the power and the wisdom in the serenity prayer because, uh, you know, I'm in that same boat. And I think uh, probably most people are, regardless of where we fall on the political spectrum. Um, you know, there's always something to get upset about, maybe something to get really upset about in the news on uh, across the board. And I find myself having to ask, and this is where I think of the serenity prayer as a guide, like, you know, is there anything I can do about this, you know, that I'm willing to do? I have to be honest about that, too. Um, because just being upset about what's happening is not doing anything except coloring, uh, you know, my whole perception and, and using my power of thought against me, you know, in, into uh, creating a life of upset and uh, rather than a life of uh, joy and prosperity. So I have to ask, is there anything I can do about this that I'm willing to do? And if there is, you know, do I have the courage and the strength to do it? And if if yes, then I'll go ahead and do it and then ask again. And if not, I, I really have no sane choice other than to let it go. Because if I don't let it go, I am doing, I love this phrase, I'm letting someone live rent-free in my head. Uh, I'm not doing that. I love that phrase because it was so clear. It's like, I know exactly what that means. And I'm not doing it. It's not that I think everything is great. And it's not that I think that, you know, there aren't things happening that one could be very, very upset about. Um, it's that I recognize, uh, is there something I can do? I'll do it. If there's nothing I can do, uh, I need to let it go for my own sanity. I can always circle back and take action if it becomes clear, but it's crazy to not take action, not be able to take action, but obsess with the upset. And I think that's the key, to be able to interrupt the obsession. For me, Unity came to the rescue with another tool, and that was the power of release. You know, the ability, how the affirmations and denials to allow me to release a thought, to release an emotion, to release a pattern of behavior. Um, that was not a tool that I acquired out of out of 12 step, even though they say, let go and let God, you know, OK, well, I, I know that. And how do you do that? What right. what are the exact steps you do in order to do that? You know, and so that was another piece that uh, that played into that. And in fact, it was a really big piece because once I became aware of this thought pattern that there's not enough, there's never enough, there's not enough time, there's not enough love, there's not enough money, there's not enough, not enough, not enough. That ran my life for years in recovery. There's not enough. I got, you know, I got to get more. I mean, that's, that's typical addict thinking. How much is enough? More. Yeah, more. <laughs> <laughs> more is the answer. And so when I, when I learned the tools of the affirmations and denials that allowed me to let go, you know, and, and about the power of release to allow me to let go and replace that thought of not enough with a different thought, then my life began to change. In fact, I remember the day that it did. I was uh, I was up early and I was making coffee, and um, at the time I was not working and and funds were slim and I'm getting in the bottom of the three pound coffee can and I opened it up and there's barely enough to make one pot of coffee, and I about went ballistic. You know, it was just like oh my god, you know, there's not enough. Blah blah blah. Well, I neglected to notice that I had enough for the one pot of coffee I needed that morning, but there was a side of me that was watching this, going, really, you're going to do this again. And the other side of me going, yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but, you know, and, and, and it was kind of like two, two sides of me were fighting at that moment. But I remember so clearly that it was, I call it a click that happened that go, oh, there's enough. There really is enough. You know, you're just being hysterical about, about an illusion, really, at this point. 
Yeah, and you recognize that. That was the that was the the healing thing in that moment. It, it reminds me of uh, just like when, if we're looking, if we make the decision to look for the good, we can also make a decision. And I did this to look for the growth opportunity in everything. And I hear that in in the story that you just told because you came to a crossroads, is what I'm hearing. You came to, here's my old pattern, loud and clear. Here's my new observation. I now have a choice. And that sounds like it was a turning point in your life. It was a growth opportunity that you were aware of and open to and um, seeing. And I've found that uh, just generally helpful as well. You know, looking for the growth opportunity, looking for the, the, the choice or the path or the fork in the road or whatever that's going to support my ongoing um, spiritual growth. That's going to be life affirming. That's going to help me uh, create a life of joy and prosperity for myself. For example, last week I I'd chosen to go to a workshop because I would like to be a better public speaker. I'm not sure how to do that, but I, I look around and I see people who are good. So I went to a workshop about speaking, uh, and that was that was me, you know, making a choice, looking for an opportunity, stepping out of my comfort zone. Um, to do something that for me right now is an important part of um, supporting my path and supporting my growth. And all kinds of wonderful things came out of it that I couldn't have anticipated just through the other people that were there. You know, all, all kinds of good came out of my fundamental decision to look for a growth opportunity and step through that door. And I think that once that, that crack in the, wall happens that as you called it earlier or that door opens then for me that provided all kinds of other opportunities because then i went oh i wonder where else this shows up oh there it is again you know and in other i began to recognize it in other areas of my life you know i couldn't spend enough time with this person and well I have plenty of time with this person and I'm not enjoying right now because I'm obsessing about that they're going to go away you know and I mean and so I was slowly becoming able to be more present to the relationships that I was in at the moment when I was there instead of obsessing about it's not enough it's not enough it's not enough yeah again that, that I I see how you broke that old old pattern well, when you became aware of it and were able to choose a new way just like you're saying it sounds a lot a lot like the coffee that's like am i going to worry about what could happen later if the bad things that i'm generally afraid of come up in my life um or am, or can i uh, look at that fear and say oh yeah right that's that old fear coming up but you know that's not what's happening like when i quit smoking i'm not doing that right now that's not happening at this moment and for me i always had to get a reality check and that helped that a community again came to the rescue and said, no, you're okay. Really? This is enough. So Absolutely. So let's move into action now because our fifth principle in unity states, it's not enough to know these truths. We must live them. That means we must each take action in order to grow and recover. So here's something that you can do this week to move from a life of disarray to a life of joy and prosperity using unity's third principle, the power of thought. So use a statement of power or what we refer to in unity as a denial to deny any power to this disarray that's appearing in your life at the moment. We're not saying that everything's perfect, but that experiencing disarray does not control you. You could say something like, 
experiences of struggle and disharmony are not the truth of who I am. Repeat that a few times in your head or even out loud and say it with conviction. Experiences of struggle and disharmony are not the truth of who I am. And you'd follow that up immediately with a bold and positive affirmation of a new experience. For example, you could say, with God, I co-create a life of joy and prosperity using the divine power of thought. And then it's always helpful to take a few quiet moments just to relax and take it easy. Just let it sink in. There's no need to struggle. Give thanks for your new experience in the world and then move on with your day. And again, that denial, experiences of struggle and disharmony are not the truth of who I am. With God, I co-create a life of joy and prosperity using the divine power of thought. So we've come to the end of our time together here today, and we hope that you found something to help you on your recovery path. And we both bless you on your journey. Thank you to the listeners and callers. And thank you so much to my co-host, Reverend Dan Beckett, for the insights shared in our discussion today. And listeners, if you would like, you can contact us on our Facebook page, which is Spirit of Recovery, and give us your thoughts and feedback. And we are here every Tuesday uh, with a discussion about uh, addiction, addiction recovery, and how you can use spiritual principles to improve your life. So I invite you to join us again next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central. And until then, have a wonder-filled week. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Suzanne Giesman, and if you've ever wondered about life after death or if it's possible to connect with a higher consciousness, I invite you to join me for my podcast, Messages of Hope. It's my mission to share with you that our loved ones who have passed are always with us and we are so very loved. I want to teach you how to live a consciously connected and divinely guided life. Listen here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.